0: Purpose, adventure, success. That's what a man's life should be. But as you traveled the road you thought led to a brighter future, the adventure you were seeking melted into a dull gray blur you just want to escape. You wish you could talk to someone, but wouldn't that be admitting defeat? Or is this longing for brotherhood hardwired into us? This is how each of us felt. We got honest about our need to connect, so we started getting together, opened the Bible, and found authentic answers. Welcome to the Real Men in the Real World podcast, sponsored by Ministry to Men of St. Charles County and hosted by Brian Bradensteiner.
1: Well, we're here today with an awesome friend of mine. I get to look across the table and look in his eyes and just so thankful for the man that I'm looking at, for what this man has meant in our lives, what he's meant in my personal life, what he's meant in our community. And I'm talking about a man who has over the years been looked up to by many, many people who some would consider him the patriarch of St. Charles County. Big words, big responsibility, but I'm talking about Ben Blanton. Hmm. Most people know who Ben Blanton is. He's a businessman. He's been very successful. He's built many buildings across the St. Charles County and many states and beyond. But the biggest thing that Ben has built in his life is his love for Jesus and bringing those to Christ. I welcome Ben Blanton. Ben, how you doing today, buddy?
2: I'm doing fantastic, Brian, except for that introduction there that, that scares me just a little bit but I'm doing great my man good to be with you
1: good to be with you as well you know we've talked about trying to get together for so long yes we have it's been um, what maybe a year and a half two years or so that we said we're going to get together and be able to sit down and just record a conversation about your story about ministry to men how it got started and what it really means to you so I'd love to be able to hear your story, where you came from, and how you got to St.
2: Louis. You mean start from the start? Goodness. You bring back a lot of memories, Brian, and I could talk too long about that, but I'm an Arkansas farm boy. I was born on a farm outside of a little town, population 103. I lived there the first 10 years of my life, and my mom and dad finally gave up on farming and Decided to move to the big city, and we moved to, actually, to Pine Lawn. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but it's a suburb of St. Louis. And and, uh, they bought a little confectionery is what they called it then. My dad went to work in a factory, and my mom ran the store. Wow. Yeah. So the
1: St. Louis question that you got to St. Louis, what high school did you go to?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Actually... Um, I went to Normandy High School. I went to the Normandy schools up until the 11th grade. And um, I had a meeting with a very important man one day that suggested I go to a different school. And since he was a principal of Normandy High, um, I changed. And I went to Wellston High School. That's where I graduated. 11th and 12th grade at Wellston. Wow. (laughs) Wellston High School, that is...
1: uh... Is it still in existence today?
2: Is not. Um, At one point, uh, Wellston was the, before the city schools had their problems of several years ago now, but Wellston was the only unaccredited high school in the state of Missouri, and I always said I helped them get there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Witty comments, those are good. Ben, well, tell it's me. It's not it- a witty comment. I, I just uh, <laughs> I didn't like school. I didn't do well in school. I didn't cause a lot of trouble, but a little bit, but um, I just wanted out of
1: school. You know, I, I can uh, understand that to, to some degree, if you will, but I think I recall a story about you— overlooking a softball field or a fast-pitch softball game going on. you have any comments about that?
2: Changed my life, Brian. Hmm. Senior year of high school, um, I asked a new friend. He just started coming to Wellston uh, senior year. We happened to be in the same homeroom, and we stuck up a sort of a friendship. And I was living off the district. I shouldn't have even been going to wellston i was in the city and should have been going to a city school but i didn't want to i wanted to finish out school right there at wellston and i asked him uh, what he was doing that evening because sometimes i hung around after school i lived about a mile and a half from school or something like that and he said oh i said he was going to play softball i said where do you play softball and he said oh, i play for this church team that my parents made me go to I said, where you play? Heeman Park, University City. And so I went home that day and uh, I got my ball glove and I walked from there to Heeman Park, which is, was about a mile and a half to Heeman Park. And I walked there and I took my ball glove with me, of course, in case I run into somebody play catch because if I wasn't playing ball, I was watching ball being played and all kinds of ball although I'd never played fast-pitch softball, which is what he was getting ready to play. And uh, I sat down on the hillside to watch the game. I watched them warming up, and I saw these two girls that I knew from high school, and they talking to a guy, and they were pointing at me sitting up on a hill. And a guy came up and stuck out his hand and introduced himself and said, I'm the manager for this ball club down here and we're getting ready to play a fast pitch softball game and uh the girls down there tell me you're the catcher for the high school baseball team and we're short one guy we're short a catcher Mm -hmm. and i wonder if you'd come down and play for us that was a silly question of course i would and i played that night for them and after the game um he i had a pretty good game and uh he asked me he said you know we'd like for you to play for us all the time i said great give me a schedule and he gave me a schedule, sort of, and said, "Well, uh, but you, you need to know this. This is a church team, and we have a rule that you have to come to church two times a month in order to be eligible to play. And I wasn't interested in going to church, and uh, so I told him I'd pass. But all that week, my friend kept on me, and come on he said church is not bad he said i sit all the way in the back and you know and because of my love of playing ball i found myself sitting in the back of that church the next uh the next sunday and so it begins and so it begins tell me the journey of
1: people pouring in to you their lives into you and then you going about meeting people one-on-one that didn't happen right at the very no. beginning
2: You use the right term, people pouring into me. I actually, I met adults that didn't treat me like I had the plague at that church. I mean, they invited me over, invited me over for dinner, just invited me over just to chat. Um, And I met young people that were different than the young people that I had been running around with. Pretty rough crowd that I was running around with. These, these, for the most part, uh, what they said on Sunday, they lived the rest of the week. And I became great friends with one particular guy who later was best man in our wedding. His name was Frank. And one evening, I don't remember exact words, but he said, wouldn't you like to pray and ask Jesus in your life? He said, I'll pray with you. And that's exactly what we did. We got on our knees and we prayed. And. And I asked Jesus into my life. That was November 11th, 1956.
1: Wow, Mm 11-11-56. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Now, something else is happening in November, if I'm not mistaken, coming up, yes?
2: Yeah, but that's that's a little bit off uh, ways from that. That was uh, five years later in November. You're talking about my marriage, I'm assuming. That is so true. Mm -hmm. So how many years? This November will be 61.
1: 61 years. Yes. Congratulations. Thanks for being a great example for many people, not only in your own age group, but uh,
2: the youngins too, if you will. It's um, a lot of people, Brian. You don't do things on your own. Mm -hmm. It's it's people. Mm -hmm. It's people. It's caring people. And that certainly was true of us in our life, in our married life, in our Christian life. So, Ben... What,
1: what's the secret? 61 years.
2: Mm-hmm. I shared a story, Brian. I've shared with um, only a handful. We'd been married 18 years, and we had an argument. And um, I was in business at the time and um, working 15 hours a day. And But we had an argument. I have no idea what it was about. And um i i stopped i threw my hands up and said stop you know this is crazy we need to take a vacation we've taken we've been married 18 years and we've taken two vacations we need to take a vacation not us and the kids just us the two of us and my wife said <laughs> she said the <laughs> exact words she said we can't afford to take a vacation mm-hmm. And then I really lost it. And I said, I'm going in tomorrow, and I'm shutting this company down because everybody that works for me takes a vacation. And so she realized, she said, you know, you're right, let's do it. And we went back. We went back to uh, when we were first married, when I was in the Army, and we were living in Williamsburg, Virginia, and I could tell you all those stories. But we went back to Williamsburg, and then we went back to D.C., we we're right in that area, and, and um, I remember well in D.C. staring at the ceiling one night with my wife asleep, and I was remembering our argument, and I thought to myself, "Lord, I'm doing something wrong," and I realized for the first time, I realized that i was first place i put myself first Mm -hmm. instead of my wife Mm -hmm. you ask for the secret that's the secret my wife from that moment till today my wife is first place period she comes ahead of anybody and everything except god Mm. amen that's the secret
1: you know there are many people who are going to listen to this, Ben, who say, you know, I, I think that I That scares would. me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it might scare me a little bit, too, but at the same point in time, we can be scared together. But some people are thinking about, boy, how do you put somebody else
2: first in your life? Mm-hmm. It's easy. Easy? What do you mean? It's easy. I knew I loved my wife, and I figured out, yes, I love my wife more than I love myself. Mm. and I put her first, Mm. period. It is so simple to do. But you know what, Brian, you know my wife well. If you would go talk to my wife, she would tell you that I am first in her life.
1: 61 years.
2: Coming up. Yes, sir.
1: Buddy, that's emotional, I I know it is when you look at that, you put each other first. You've made a comment before that, you know, if I treat my wife like a queen, someday
2: you will get to be a king. I I, I get to be a king immediately. (laughs) Yeah. You want to be a king? Treat your wife like a queen. Yeah. And serve and love. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Not rule. Some guys think that's, yeah, we'll go into that scripture, but some guys think that means that you dominate. No, not at all. No. You become the servant. That's it. Servant leadership, servant
1: love, servant marriage, all with Christ at the center. You know, I was lying as I was thinking in uh, bed last night about our conversation today, and the triangle kept coming into my mind, Ben, meaning you see a triangle that has the point at the top if you will and the closer each of you get you being on one leg carol being on another the closer you both get to god the closer you get together how cool Mm -hmm. is that
2: yeah i've never thought of it that way but i agree
1: yeah and i also look at the triangle that you can take it and turn it upside down and have the point at the bottom which means most people want to try and get to the top of a triangle because it is the pinnacle but if you turn it upside down that just means you serve all those above you sure yeah so you go 61 years in your life married to a wonderful lady i've met carol on many occasions she mm-hmm. is awesome always has a smile on her face mm-hmm. always looking out for the other person always asking how's Anne doing And that is just uh, so heartwarming, particularly in today's society.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Now Ben, I gotta ask, that didn't come easily over 61 years.
2: No, it's a process. Uh, It's like almost anything. It's a process. And we have laughed about it before because we said that when we got married, I mean, hey, Brian, I was AWOL from the Army. I went AWOL to come home to get married. No. <laughs> uh, I was gone eleven day, uh, 12 days on a three-day pass because they wouldn't give me any leave. So I asked for a three-day pass. They gave me a three-day pass. I was gone 12 days. And I got away with it, by the way. But uh, we laugh, and what we were doing, we left and, and went to Williamsburg, having no idea where we were going to live or anything. I, Fort Eustis, right down the roads where I was. And we look back at that. We thought we knew we were in love, and that's all we knew. And we, we, we laugh, how did we, how did we make it? How did we do that things? And people that you and I know well, probably most people would tell you the same thing. It's a process. Mm. It's a process. So for those
1: youngins that we talked about before, pouring into the next generation, obviously you and Carol have poured into each other, but you also have poured into so many people. And I have said this many, many times over the course of the years that I've known you, Been You are my great-grandfather spiritually. And had you not poured into other people who eventually poured their life into me, I would have not been able to pour my life into my father, who 12 hours before he died looked at me in the eye and said, I'll see
2: you later. I remember that story. Hmm. Yes. Um, For the first many years, uh, my, I'll say ministry, which it really wasn't exactly that, but uh, was in the church. Everything revolved around the church, the church, the church. And and I'm not putting the church down. Please don't understand it that way. But I realized the harvest is outside the church. To me. It's outside the church. And the last I'd say the last um forty-five years, maybe fifty years, my ministry, if you would call it, that's been mostly outside the church. It's a fertile field outside the church, and people need it. So,
1: Ben, when you say outside the church, you've been a businessman all your life. You didn't have to actually go behind a pulpit, if you will, and preach the gospel. Mm. You used the pulpit of your business and all of the connections that you may have had in business use that as a stepping stone to be able to have a ministry
2: sure absolutely it's it's there and people that would never go to church with you but they'll sit down and have lunch with you Mm. and you can entertain conversation about do you read the bible i can't tell you how many times i've asked that question Mm. of guys Mm. so You sit down, you have
1: lunch, you have coffee. You get to know somebody pretty well, over a thousand cups of coffee, I can imagine. (laughs) You had a couple of friends in your life, Charlie
2: Williams and Ron Hollis. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. Two absolutely fantastic individuals that that I miss greatly. I cried when they left. And frankly, I'll rejoice Mm. uh, uh, when I see him again. Mm. Uh, The three of us were accountability partners out here in St. Charles County. Fantastic guys. We we loved it. We loved each other. Many stories there. Oh, absolutely. So your accountability partners,
1: great men, no doubt, Mm -hmm. had a huge, huge
2: love for ministry to men. Yes, well, Charlie had been in ministry for some time. He had been with CBMC. Mm-hmm. Uh, he left his job with Todd Uniform Company. Uh, he he just quit without a job, not knowing what he was going to do. But he just said that he felt like God would, didn't want him there. And Charlie Todd was a great guy. You know, you mm-hmm. know Charlie and Charlie Williams just left the company, and then uh, somebody asked him to come join CBMC, work with CBMC, and Charlie told me that the first time that he was asked that he laughed. He said, no, and then he prayed about it, and he ended up with CBMC, so he was in the ministry with CBMC uh, for a long time. Mm. Now, he being in the
1: ministry with CBMC, there came a point in time to where St. Charles County as you talked about before was fertile field. Yes. A fertile field or many fertile fields. How did ministry to
2: men actually come to existence? Um, we we didn't meet as often as accountability partners should. I don't know if there's a certain time but most try to meet once a week or so. We didn't meet that often because, frankly, uh, Ron and I were always real busy with our businesses, and Charlie was out of town a lot. Charlie was in charge of one-third of the United States, Mm -hmm. the contiguous states, for CBMC. And we met this one day in my office, and Charlie told us that Uh, CBMC had made some changes, and he no longer had the responsibilities that he had. They eliminated those three men, and they said everything was going to come direct to the president. And CBMC told Charlie that he could go anywhere anywhere he wanted, any any city where they didn't have a ministry and start a CBMC. We said, well, are you going to do that? What are you going to do? And he said, I don't know. I'm thinking about going back into the commercial world into the business world, Tammy and I are going to go away for a few days and talk and pray and decide where I go from here. And that's what's happened. They they went away, and we got back together. Uh, a couple of weeks later, um, we were together, and we were anxiously awaiting Charlie. And we got back together and and um, said, Charlie, what, what did you decide? And Brian, I'll never forget those words. He said, well, we we talked and we prayed. And our decision was that God had called me into men's ministry. And he had not called me out. <laughs> and he said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but it's going to be in men's ministry. And I said, Charlie, there's enough men in St. Charles County and surrounding areas that need to hear about Jesus, you don't have to go around a third of the United States. Why don't we start a ministry right here in St. Charles County? And Ron Hollis, then those were that's almost verbatim, and Ron Hollis said, yeah, Charlie, and if you would do that and be the CEO or the executive director, Ben and I will make sure, be responsible for raising all the money that's necessary, that's <laughs> just like Ron. That and, is. and that was in the year 2000, I believe, and that's, that's when it started, we started right there. Wow. Yeah.
0: As Iron Sharpens Iron, we strive at Ministry to Men to sharpen each other to become better men for our families, our jobs, and in our spheres of influence. We learned you don't need to live with the feeling you're only treading water. God designed you for more than earning a paycheck and getting stuff done. He gave you a dream, a purpose, and a legacy to leave behind. We're on the adventure with the living Christ, growing into healthier, more honest, and more successful men. To learn more about Ministry to Men of St. Charles County, go to ministrytomen.net. ministrytomen.net. Real men in the real world.
1: And you didn't coast anymore, did you? Nope. No. Mm -hmm. So what happens when
2: you coast trying to go uphill of building the ministry? You can only coast one way, and that's downhill. Really? Yeah, I've said that. You know I've said that many (laughs) times. i speaking spiritually. I've told guys that that you don't coast. You grow Mm -hmm. spiritually. That's been the thrust of me here in St. Charles County. That's been my desire for many, many years. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So, Ben, now that Ministry to Men is formed, there's no coasting. There continues to be pouring into other men in your life. How did Ministry to Men begin to grow?
2: Charlie. Hmm. Charlie was, when he took on a task, he he, he made it happen. Hmm. He, he worked diligently at it. Charlie went about. We formed a board, and um, I... Gave Charlie, of course, some of my ideas, uh, some good, some bad. But one of the things I told him, we had been working for a while, and Charlie started meeting with pastors and and so on to help their ministry, not to get anybody to join Ministry to Men, but just to offer help mm. for their ministry, which is good. Um, and I told him, Charlie, nobody knows you. He said, what do you mean? Nobody knows me. I said, get outside our little circle. Nobody knows you. You got to get known. Get busy in the community. How do I do that? You start, go join the chamber. Mm. And I threw out some ideas, and I said, meet new men. Meet businessmen. Just, just make an appointment with them. That's ministry. Mm. And, and uh, as you know, Charlie became very well-known mm-hmm. in St. Charles County. It's interesting. Just go meet businessmen. Sure. Just go meet people. Just go meet people.
1: Have a cup of coffee. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I I uh, I concur with that strategy. You go meet with people and you sit with them over a course of time. It's like just peeling an onion back. Yeah. Till you get to the core, mm-hmm. and that's where it can really get exciting. Mm-hmm. To be able to become a two a.m. friend. Tell me
2: a little bit more about two a.m. friends. Oh wow. Brian, I could I could talk a long time about that. You and I have used that term for a long time, and uh, I'll give you one real quick one. In the last uh, last few years, um, I've had a series of of uh, health issues. Uh, you know, back operation, uh, knee operation, uh, two brain operations i think that was when they were looking for one maybe but <laughs> um, uh, a series of things but i was i was uh really weak and almost bedfast. but i sat around all the time of course it, uh, a guy a friend called and he wanted to come over a friend in the community a nice guy and uh, he wanted to come over and and I said no man and I actually talked to my wife my wife said no he, no he he really doesn't feel like and the guy insisted on coming he said I I won't I won't stay long he said I just I just I just want to see him and and she said okay and he came over and he stayed for over an hour and I was totally totally wiped out when he left um And as my wife walked into the door and she closed the door and she turned around and she looked at me and she pointed a finger at me. I don't know why she pointed a finger at me, (laughs) but she pointed a finger at me and she said, family and Ron Hollis are the only ones coming through that door. (laughs) Now, let me follow that up with um, then this uh, friend of mine He used to live in St. Louis County that's where we got acquainted years ago. And he moved to Alabama, I'm guessing 35 years ago. And uh, we stayed in touch. We would go sometimes a couple years, three years maybe, without seeing each other even. But we were great friends. It's uh, I love friends like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to be with them all the time to know that they're a friend. And he called me. He, he heard that I was sick, and I don't know which time it was, but he called me, and, and he said, Hey, man, he said, I want to come and see you. And I said, No, you can't do that, Rob. I really i am not up to it, man. And he said, No, he said, I, I want to come and see you. I really want to come and see you. And I said, Rob, look, you know, let's wait. You know, I'm, I'm going to get better. And he said, No, he says, I really want to come and see you. He said, I promise I won't stay over half an hour at the most. Now, where did Rob live? Huntsville, Alabama. He appeared at my front door and came in and sat, and we talked. And it was getting close to half hour, and we talked old times and a little bit of everything. And he said, hey, I'm going to leave. I told you I wouldn't stay long, and um, I want to pray for you. Mm -hmm. And we did. We prayed. And words exchanged words of love. And you understand that. That's something you grow into also. And we exchanged those words. And he walked out the door. (laughs) And headed back to Alabama. Mm -hmm. It's a seven and a half hour, eight hour drive. Wow. In one way. Wow. That's a 2 a.m. friend.
1: That is a 2 a.m. friend.
2: Yeah. That's special. Yeah. Actually, I want to follow that up because he contacted me uh, a short time ago, not too long, a month ago, and um, he has uh, fourth stage bone cancer. Mm. And he said, Will you come and speak at my funeral? And I said, well, what if I die before you do? (laughs) And he said, well, I said, I tell you what, since you've asked, I'll make you a pack. How about if the first one to die, the other one, if he's able, gets to the funeral and tries to say something good about the departed. <laughs> and we laugh, and that's a pack. That's that's what we left. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. You know,
1: their 2 a.m. friends are so special. You never know when you're going to get that phone call that says, hey, man, I am hurting. I need help. Yeah. And you open up because you've already spent the time, invested the time and the energy of peeling that onion back to get to the core to look at somebody else in the eyes and say, yeah. man... I am really hurting, and I need help.
2: Yeah, and the people that are out there, Brian, the people that are there, both sides of that, people that are ready and willing, and people that need it. Mm. And we need to we need to be that person. Yeah, yeah, no mm-hmm. doubt. So, with ministry to men, having two AM
1: friends, what what does the next generation? How do they get involved with ministry to men?
2: That's a question I can't answer. Hmm. I have met in the last several years, I have met with a lot of young guys, taking every opportunity that's been afforded me. I've met with guys um, that are in college and just young guys in general, young married guys, those guys need help just like I did when I was young in marriage. I didn't get that help uh, very often at least. Um, they're out there, you gotta hunt it down, and there aren't all that many opportunities for one person, but if everybody was looking out for those people mm. that would be a partial answer yeah, I think our frankly I think that is uh being lost in our society today mm. the closeness, the ministry, yeah the caring and it's saying I think it shows up in our just flip on the news on the TV, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Wow. Yeah, it's intentional, isn't it? Yes. It must be intentional. Yeah. Absolutely. I had a friend that that was what he used to say all the time, live intentionally. Live intentionally. Yeah. So we need to be real men of intentions, what That's, you're saying. Sure. <laughs> you may. You need to decide what you want to do and pray and ask God to correct you if you're wrong and help you if you're right. Yeah. Being
1: real men in a real world is something that we've talked about a lot Mm -hmm. uh, these last few years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, quite frankly, uh, we made a comment not too long ago about if we do not take that intentionality time, being intentional, and pour into the next generation, we're going to become a dead generation. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. That's scary, Ben. It's scary to me because in all that we do, Brian, we've worked together for, what, 25, 27 years, whatever it's been now, after the first businessmen's prayer breakfast we've mm-hmm. been together since then. We haven't been able to connect with the young generation like we'd like to because they can't come to a seven o'clock in the morning Bible study, for instance. They, get a, they have to the job. They don't have that position at their job usually that they can do that. If you mm-hmm. look around at our Bible studies, we have a lot of them. Well, we have 30-something Bible studies now? Mm-hmm. and But it's mostly um, older guys. Yeah. And very few, very few younger guys. Yeah, By younger guys, I'm talking guys in their 20s and 30s. Right. You know, you gotta
1: meet them where they're at. Bring the church to them, right? You were but, talking about that before. You gotta get outside the
2: church walls, bring the church to them. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, a guy in our Wednesday morning Bible study, which you lead now, um, you recall this. Uh, right at the end, he said, hey, guys, I have one other thing to say. And you paused said, yes. And he said, this is the best church I attend. Mm-hmm. That's outside the walls. Yeah. That's outside the walls. But that's the real church, the followers of Jesus Christ. That's the church. Amen. Every church, to me— Every church should have a big sign over the front door that says, Enter to Worship. Mm. And then as you leave, as you're getting ready to exit that same door on the inside, it should say something like, Depart to Serve, mm. or Now Entering the Mission Field would mm. be a good one, something mm-hmm. like that. Outside the church, what you learn, what you feel in the church— Take it outside the walls.
1: Outside the walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Ben, you're talking about um, how sports was so important in your life oh. early on to bring you into the church. I, I'm having God bumps right now as mm-hmm. I'm envisioning leaving worship and having entering the mission field right above the door. And we're running out, jumping up and touching it <laughs> as we go out into the mission field because mm-hmm. we're so excited about sharing God's love. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm. Love God and love people.
2: Well, that's, that's the two commandments. Hmm. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. When Jesus was asked, that's the most important commandment. That's what he said. Hmm. But he didn't stop there. He said, and the second is likened to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. That's the whole thing. That's the key.
0: Simple that's, equation. That's the,
2: as, as I told you one day, I married you and some other guys, I said, that's my Bible for dummies hmm. right there. Hmm. And it works. And I've also made the statement many times, love is the answer. What's the question? Hmm. Ben, you talk about love as we're getting to our
1: final minutes here of, of having an awesome conversation. You talk about love and you wanted to write a book someday. Tell me about this book
2: that you want to write. But that's it. That's it. I just I just described it to you. (laughs) The book is uh, because I could never write a book, but the book is Bible for Dummies. Mm. That would be the title of it, and it would be love God, and love your neighbor. Mm -hmm. No end. There's no end. You realize that it's eternity. Yeah, you do that, you're an eternity. Amen. That's a Bible for dummies.
1: I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right, Ben, we're going to be closing here in just a few minutes, uh, and we've talked a lot. We talked a lot about sports. We've talked a lot about ministry. We talked a lot about our friendship that we've had for so mm-hmm. many years. You know, fun fact: you befriended a young man many years ago, and I actually got to pitch to you with that young man catching for an FCA event at Bush Stadium.
2: I remembered he was you say he's a young man, he was one year younger than me. Young man. <laughs> <laughs> of course
1: we're talking about a, a friend of ours in Lou Brock who was very instrumental in in pouring into other people's lives yeah. as well. And he graciously invited us to go down to ball game and throw out a first pitch for FCA, which is the Fellowship of Christian athletes and uh, I'll never forget, I was nervous standing on the mound and threw the ball, and you were batting
2: left handed. And I'm like, uh, Well, I was supposed to be catching. Yes. And Lou wasn't supposed to be involved. And uh, Matt Carpenter happened to be standing there, and I said, Can I borrow your bat, Matt? And he says, Sure. <laughs> he handed me a bat. And I said, Lou, you catch. I'm going to bat. I thought, let's get Brock into this thing. Absolutely. And you don't know this, but as he squatted behind it and I stood with the bat and you were getting ready to pitch, he said, you're not really going to swing, are you? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds just like him. <laughs> no, not, Lou. He was uh, upset about Lou, and you will agree with this, Brian. He was absolutely a fantastic ball player, as good as a player he was, as he was. He was a better human being. Mm. He was so kind and loving. Oh.
1: Awesome gentleman. Yes. Awesome, awesome. Ben, we're concluding our time here. So, so thankful for uh, the opportunity to get to just hang out, yeah, be friends, yeah, talk about some good stuff. We've done that a lot. We have done that a lot. It may be a thousand and one cups of coffee by now. <laughs> <laughs> I want to have a, a finishing five, Was what I like to call this. This is meant to be quick questions, yes, no answers, one-word answers. Ooh. I'm going it's, to put you on the tough. spot. It it's is tough. tough. Favorite sports team? Favorite sports team. Team? Cardinals. Oh, absolutely. I knew that answer. Yeah. <laughs> favorite color? Blue. I think I knew that, too. We're wearing blue today, as well. What's your favorite food? Hamburger. Hamburger? Like McDonald's or? No, not McDonald's. A hamburger. A hamburger, (laughs) real hamburger. Okay. Would you
2: skydive? I always, I can't answer it in one. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I would.
1: (laughs) Always wanted to, but haven't had the opportunity yet. Is that what you're going to try and say? I could
2: never get anybody to do it with me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. You know, we talked uh, a lot about Bible verses and such. What's your favorite Bible
2: verse? I don't have a favorite. Mm. My favorite is opening the Bible. Mm. Great, great comments. You know,
1: that's our finishing five right now, Ben. And I got to say, for as young as a man as you are, <laughs> to have the very first pickleball court in all of St. Charles County yep. and to invite a young Whippersnapper over named Brian uh-huh. to play pickleball. Who I was kicked in his twenties, as I recall. You kicked my tail <laughs> up and down the court, and I remember it very vividly. <laughs> ben, I gotta say, as I always will say when I depart, you, I love you. I love you too, Brian. Thanks so much for being on this conversation show, whatever you want to call it. But I am so honored and thankful to call you a friend. Yeah, that works both ways. Good to be with you. Amen.
0: We believe that God made you for a purpose and gave you a dream and a legacy to leave behind. To reach that purpose, lock arms with other men on the same quest. Visit ministrytomen.net to find out how. We are Ministry to Men, real men in the real world.